0: Hello everyone, you are about to hear an episode that Sam, Rachel and I recorded back in mid-May On the best heist we ever saw And this was we recorded this before the murder of George Floyd and given the increased awareness and dialogue and introspection that at least to speak for myself i've been compelled to do uh, following uh the murder of George Floyd. We want we wanted to record this a uh, little preface to not necessarily recontextualize the episode, but again, at least for myself, acknowledge that um to simply record an episode like this really comes with a whole lot of of privilege uh, as a as a white man talking about for fun uh a series, a long series of films making light of and celebrating how sort of cool and fun it is to thumb your nose at law enforcement and authority and get away with, um, yeah, I mean, crime and, and, and larger than life heists and things like that. Um, it's obviously the complete opposite experience, um, for, for several people and that's really fucked up that something that I think, you know, from my perspective is like, Oh, this is like my hobby. This is, this is cool. This is like, like, I, I f- I think it's cool to be a person who gets to talk about movies, especially when those movies are about uh, like mostly white people getting to do whatever the hell they want with, with zero consequences. And if the tables were turned, uh, it'd be a completely different story.
1: Uh, and
2: just to add, add on to that. I think that there's a temptation to be like, well, none of these movies are for us to say, well, none of these movies are about race, so how is this relevant? But everything's about race. And this movie has a lot of whiteness in it. All the most of these movies, a lot of these movies. And I would say sort of the the uh heist movie prototype is imbued with whiteness, which means it's about race. And I think that it's very telling and interesting that for white people to watch a movie about massive property crime, which is what these are, it's perceived as fun when there's a veil of whiteness on it. But we watched as, you know, a target getting looted sent a white community into a whole tizzy about rampant lawlessness um, because it was being looted not just by white people. And I think it's really important, or I think these movies, while they seem like just fun romps for people like me, I think it can really serve as a way to challenge your perception of what you think safety is and what you think crime is. And for me, it makes me realize that race and racial fear and racism is so imbued in that because if lawlessness isn't fun, heist movies would make no money. So clearly that's not, it's not that simple. Um, And I think it's important to note that, that like going forward, we will be continuing to discuss movies by and about white people, but that doesn't mean that they're not about race. Oftentimes, that there's really interesting things to be said about the pervasiveness and the violence of whiteness in those movies.
3: And a third point um, is in these movies that you're about to hear about in these heist movies, there are really two examples of movies that are both less white in the representation, in the actors, but also complicate these ideas of criminality and what happens when you commit a crime or when you don't commit a crime in the case of some of these movies. Those two movies are Inside Man and Widows, which are actually the only two movies on this list and that we've done yet, I believe, with non-white and in this case, black directors. And I think that that is important to realize is that it, it is innate in how these directors view criminality, even in a genre that, that looks at crime and punishment much more lightly that these two great movies, great heist movies are able to do be great heist movies, but do so in a more complex and more sensitive to non-white experiences of crime and the police. And they're both, both of those visions are from black directors in this case, black male directors. Um and I think it's important to note that
2: just to add one thing. I know that this is very me to feel the need to add a thing. One is I think that if we're gonna give ourselves an assignment to do better, we should make it a our personal crusade to get the bank job off of any best of list. <laughs>
4: That's
2: true. <laughs> this movie is so bad and so racist. And yeah. we were we were tricked into it watching it by best of lists and that movie's trash. Um, And then the second thing is that if you're going to watch any of these heist movies, you should also watch Widows. Like, seriously. Watch Ocean's Eleven for the first time, but then watch Widows. Because what that movie has to say about the relationship between crime and ownership and gender and race is just so deep.
3: Yeah. I second that. And I'd like to thank you two for for having this discussion and adding agreeing to add this on to the or proposing to add this on to the podcast
2: i know we proposed it
3: um and
1: with that i hope you will enjoy our heist podcast rachel yes andy sam yes andy what's the best
0: thing you ever saw
2: We are putting a crew together. Not really, the crew is already together. The three of us are evaluating this time around the best heist movies of all time, according to us, which I guess is obvious. So, uh, as is traditional with the show, we uh, are going to start by talking about our individual journeys with the genre, um, meaning we are going to talk about what we, our history with this type of movie, what our thoughts were going into this. Um, and I think we'll start with Sam.
3: It's my genre journey time.
2: It's your genre journey time.
0: You screwed up, man. You, you made eye contact with her. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, i've had
2: it out for him the whole time this
3: is (laughs) this is a much tougher for me to explain my genre
1: journey than the the rom-com one um i think probably the first movie heist movie i can really remember watching is the
3: newer italian job like that's the what that's the first time i remember like Oh, I'm watching a heist movie, um, which I think, well, it is no longer my favorite heist movie.
2: Spoiler alert.
3: Spoiler alert. I think it did inform a lot of what I look for and my, also my ability to look past mm. certain deficiencies because it fills a certain certain boxes are ticked that the Italian job ticks. Um, So I think until, and even really until this exercise of watching all these
1: movies, I really thought of heist movies as being less gritty um, and more kind of valorized
3: the heisters, which usually meant that they'd like get away without being like the the point of the movie was for them to get away. Not there's not there's not some sort of atonement, which which actually a lot of the movies we watched did have. Like it's not like the heist kind of would happen maybe half two, three quarters of the way through the movie. And then the last part of the movie was like them getting arrested or like them like they fall out was always a bad thing. Yeah. Um so that was kind of new to me in the heist genre. Um but I think be and that is because like the Italian job and the oceans movies were my original heist texts texts. Um and part of the reason why this experience was so much fun was because I really did feel like I was kind of filling in the corners of my heist movie lexicon of the, the canon (coughs) to the extent that we can say we were forming the canon and choosing this list. Uh, But
2: that's for justify my list, Sam.
3: That's for justify my list. Sing it.
2: Justify my list.
3: Okay. I think that's my, that's my genre journey for heist
0: genre journey.
2: Andy, do you want to say your heist genre journey?
0: The year was 1955. Like oh boy. He's a little boy in Brooklyn.
2: <laughs> He's been working on that material for the past couple hours. He tried that out on our walk this morning. Not true. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: it's funny. I think if we're if we look at our list and Uh, lay it out chronologically don't get too excited Sam (laughs) when I think of the first movie on this list that I was conscious of um it's the the Thomas Crown Affair in 1999 and it was such a
1: I was born for that it was
0: such an elusive
4: I was born for that
0: (laughs) sorry sorry it it was such it was such an elusive movie to me at the time because this was I mean, I must have—I don't know—either my parents broke, or I went through some um, throbbing biological changes between '99 and 2000 because this was right on the cusp of me just seeing rated R movies, no matter what. And I was so indignant when this came out because, obviously, so much of the marketing of this is—is is like it's James Bond. It's just another James Bond movie, and I was obsessed with. James Bond at the time had seen um, Goldeneye and was just totally steeped in the Pierce Brosnan James Bond experience. Oh, Pierce! And I was so upset that this was rated R, and I was sort of I was at this age where I was very respectful of that. Like I wouldn't dare ask, or like I wouldn't dare ask or assume that my parents would take me to this movie. And obviously there's, there's the whole Rene Russo element of this. Then there's this sheen of it being sort of a psychological or a, um, an erotic thriller. And like, I knew I shouldn't have, I, I shouldn't, I should just like leave well enough alone and not, um, try and experience this movie and then watching it for the first time. Coincidentally, it was the first one that we watched for this. um, was pretty underwhelmed and I feel like I wasn't missing anything 21 years ago Um, but we'll we'll probably get into that a little bit later Um, fast forward to the summer of 2000 and I'm seeing scary movie and shaft and all that good stuff in the theater and going to a Britney Spears concert Um, (laughs) the real rated R experience (laughs) I'm very. I consider myself pretty lucky that I saw Ocean's Eleven the weekend it came out. I very vividly remember. the you know it was the snowy cold night in December on a Saturday night the weekend it came out going with my friends we must we were in eighth grade at the time I guess I can still remember the um, like the dad who drove us in the minivan to the to the local theater to see Ocean's Eleven and just you know being immediately in love with it and thinking it was the um, the best thing I ever
1: saw <laughs> and I think I. I don't know.
0: I really had sort of like a reversal of expectations with all of this. I may have mentioned at the end of the last episode that this was going to be a real kill your babies experience, and um, I don't know. By the end of, close to the end of this, I thought, oh boy, I can I pick none of them? Because there are a lot of hard. I don't feelings. like
3: heist movies.
0: There's a lot of hard feelings. I don't know. I, well, you know, I don't want to. We.
2: we... We went. We spiraled a little, Sam. I think. And then I had Guys.
0: seen. So we watched eighteen movies. I had not seen twelve of them. So. Yeah, take take that what you will, but um.
1: I don't know. It's my it's my genre journey, is uh. Being, I guess, like sexually frustrated with
0: Pierce Brosnan and not even knowing it. <laughs> And reconciling that twenty-one years later. Join the
1: club.
5: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think we're going to hear this a lot. I. I don't. I have no idea what genre will happen where Sam and I don't have a very similar beginning of our journey. Um, chalk it up to oldest child resentment. That basically, I I got to experience nothing before Sam got to experience it. Um, <laughs> Despite being three years older.
3: The Italian yeah. job is a real <laughs> rite of passage movie.
2: Well, I mean, like, I could have probably been watching other things. Like, I could have watched Thomas Crown Affair. No, I couldn't have. Um, so, anyway.
0: There's just girl parts in it. <laughs> there only so ever girl parts.
2: You guys, I didn't talk during years, journey. Oh my okay. gosh, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Maybe I did. Fair enough. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, Sam and I had very similar ones. I really remember the Italian job. Um, our audience is that has not heard this story, even though Sam and Andy have so many times my oceans 11 or oceans movies associations are mostly when they were filming part of it in Oak park and it was middle school. And a bunch of my friends had heard on the radio that they were filming part of it and that some, it was unclear who was there, but this was the best part about the Oceans movies. It's like, is George Clooney there? Is Brad Pitt there? Is Matt Damon there? Who cares? But like someone hot is in a Park. And a bunch of my friends went to go see who it was. It turned out to be, I think, Matt Damon. Yeah. And um, my mom didn't let me go. Like she didn't let me bike over there because she thought it was like a hoax or something like that. So I have very... She's
3: always on the lookout for hoaxes. <laughs>
2: She's always on the lookout for- hoaxes. Like this massive kidnapping ring or whatever that was probably advertised on the radio. So yeah, I remember that. I definitely saw them and I definitely saw Ocean's Eleven in high school. And I think that that really solidified my idea of a heist movie as being like a movie about cleverness. And there is all of these sort of reveals and layers and onions that went into it and that like it really celebrates cleverness. I think that that was a big thing and then I kind of didn't watch them for a long time and while I was not watching them I was listening to more and more movie podcasts and things that I just got the impression that like heists were cool like they were like for cool people and like they were like action movies but like a little bit more left of center and like the more acceptable hipstery thing to like and um Yeah, and so then I guess maybe I thought that they weren't as approachable. It was just so silly because like my own personal experiences were very pop movies, but, um, and then watching these, I, I definitely like, I think a lot of my biases did show. I think that I still appreciate a clever heist movie over like anything with real emotional reality in it. I think that I just, Overvalue that in a heist movie, Um, probably based on my early biases. But yeah, I mean, similar to Andy, like we went through a dark period uh, where it didn't seem like any movies were good, and I'm I'm on the other side of it now. And hot take: some movies are good.
3: See, I think you guys just build up build upon each other. Where like you you both have some misgivings about any movie ever being a good movie and then you just keep talking to each other until you've decided that every movie is bad and
4: <laughs> that's, true.
3: that's why you need me to dissuade you of that fact
0: well i think for for people our age you know the, the blueprint in our mind for these movies is very much written by steven soderbergh and when you were going backwards and there's this expectation that mm. that's what it's going to be and it's not that wait so you all.
3: started more recently and went and went backwards
0: in time oh sam we were all over the map you would kill us <laughs> yeah we were I all
3: just over think the- it's i mean i don't necessarily think it makes for a better podcast but i do think that it makes for a, a more interesting viewing experience watching them chronologically
0: <laughs> it's a feeling just- really
2: so, Sam, you think that if, if it weren't for you, this podcast would be called, Are There Any Good Movies? <laughs> Instead of the best I places. really do. <laughs> Are movies good?
3: <laughs> Which movies
1: disappointed us Is the, <laughs> would be the title of the podcast. Well, yeah. I think what... And it
3: would be all of them, by the
1: way. <laughs> I- I'll... I'll leave it as
0: saying little more than I'm so grateful we did not watch these in order. Yeah, um, agreed. But I think what made this particularly challenging is that, and we're getting into defining terms here, is that these are kind of all over the map.
1: There's really no
0: um, clear understanding of, of, of what a heist movie is. So if you... If you go into it thinking it's gonna be, it's gonna all—they're all gonna be like Ocean's Eleven—and then they're not. It's a lot of frustrations. They're coming for you.
2: Yeah, I know. I'm trying to like. I was like, oh no, the sound. Yeah, I agree. So let's let's get into defining terms a little bit. Um, So in
5: the movie How to Steal a Million, there is a very
2: interesting quote that really stuck out to me was, and this is one of the last, this is the last or second to last heist movie we watched. Same. So Audrey Hepburn calls what they're about to do a heist. And Peter O'Toole kind of cringes and says, you mean a burglary? She's like, no, a heist. And that tension between heist and burglary, I think is like what makes heists, heist movies interesting. That she thinks it's a heist because
5: she is ultimately crooked, and he
2: thinks it's a burglary because he is ultimately straight. You know, there's there's a a heist movie has to sort of romanticize the crooked side of it to some extent.
3: Yeah,
2: Um, it's not a crime movie. It's from the perspective, the romanticized perspective of sort of like enjoying the crime. The I think in a heist movie, the stakes have to be low enough or balanced enough that you have to be somewhat rooting for the crooked, which I think it, that's the difference between a burglary and a heist. A heist is romanticized and you're at least intrigued by it. A burglary is just trashy and moral and like just it, it's, it's in a much more black and white moral world than a heist, which is a little sexier. And, and I feel like. I cannot believe, I I cannot believe that that quote is an accident. Like I feel like that has to have been written on purpose. But it is so wise, and it's just like thrown into this movie that it really like that just like stuck with me.
3: Yeah, and I think an interesting example of how this works is is an Inside Man. Yeah, because I think of Inside Man, it's it's a heist within a burglary. It's a heist within a robbery. There's
1: like this the kind of moral moral negative being like the
3: uh, the hostage situation as well as the fact that you think that they actually killed the hostage. Whereas in reality, the people they're treating badly are actually parts of the crew. And it's, it's actually, the heist is this kind of more morally positive thing within a fake robbery.
2: Yeah, I feel like that movie, I almost, despite really loving it, I almost don't want to call it a heist because it's so drenched in morality. Like, if that movie were an enneagram, it'd be a one. You know what I sure. mean? Like, it's so... Oh, sorry. But it's just... It's so drenched in what's right and wrong as opposed to sort of what's fun and pragmatic that I think, like, that's, like, a big difference between a crime movie and a heist movie. But, but it is
3: about cleverness, though. But it that's- is about
2: cleverness. Yeah, so I think that there's, like, there's the... The head and the heart of heist movies normally go together in that they're about sort of cleverness and, like, they have kind of a neutral moral tone. And it's interesting to see when those movies divide or when those aspects divide.
3: Like in How to Steal a Million, when, when um, Audrey Hepburn criticizes her father for stealing from these people, and he's like, well, they're rich anyway, so it's not, it's not really morally bad, which is a key part of a lot of these
0: Yes, movies. To me, it just means it's going to be procedural.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: You know the the focal point is that there's you know steps to it, and Steven Soderbergh has sort of trained us to expect some scene in the latter half of the film when someone's going to like smile and wink at the camera, and then we're going to spend twenty minutes going back in time to see um, how everything really happened step by step. Um, whereas, you know, robbery or crime or burglary, you know, it doesn't have those, um, steps to it. That's why I bristle at, and we're, God, I feel like I'm justifying our list, but I bristle at the designation of, uh, Heat being a, a heist movie because there's really none of that in there. It's more of a, as Matt Damon puts it, a smash and grab job. Yeah. Um.
4: Yeah, which, it's got- which to
0: me, you know, looking um, chronologically, oh god, it's getting hot in here.
4: Um, <laughs> I just list- accidentally uncrossed <laughs> my legs. Very much. <laughs> <you're so> <laughs> it has, yeah. You know,
0: I, I hear heist, and I think of a pulpy, procedural, caperish.
1: Elements to it. It's fun. It's lighter, etc. Yeah. I see.
2: I think that these are all really interesting questions, and I'm really excited to go into the movies themselves and discuss. So let's let's justify the list. Justify
5: my list.
0: okay (laughs)
3: who's justifying this shit
0: so the list is based heavily on a 2018 article by vulture
1: uh 25 greatest heist films of all time it's a decent list it's inspired there aren't
0: that's another thing too when i when we were going into this i thought the internet like cared about these movies a lot more
2: yeah, that's somewhat like hard to cool find kids. information
0: about these online. There's like, if you, if you Google best heist, there's not a lot of writing on it. And most of it was just promotional in anticipation of Oceans 8, because I'm guessing people thought Oceans 8 was going to be something people cared about. Um,
2: that's so interesting, because I feel like, yeah, that gets at the like, this is for cool kids perception that you and I both had. And I don't know where we got that. But anyway, keep going.
0: Yeah, I mean, just doing a somewhat cursory survey of the Google results that rise to the top, this vulture list seemed to be the most authoritative and had, um, you know, some films I had never even heard of before. Um, So things like Sexy Beast, Jonathan Glazer. We had watched recently Under the Skin, a very beloved, um, very weird. Movie from from the twenty tens that we watched for our earlier project, but yeah, the t- the two thousand movie, uh, "Sexy Beast" by Jonathan Glazer, I had never never heard of and seen before. Uh, Reefy Fee had never heard of before, despite um, being somewhat you know familiar with with movies of that ilk and time, having um, studied. Uh, the the killing in uh, in college, um, in the context of the of Stanley Kubrick's career. Um, any any other list justifications? I think there's some kind of similar to romantic comedy, Some things that maybe not glaringly, but we omitted. Ronan's not on here. Um, the the Gene the early aughts Gene Hackman film literally called Heist is hmm. not on here the now you see me and now you see me too are not on here
3: uh, i'm so glad we did put those out here
2: i have never seen any of those movies i've seen yeah, both <laughs> <laughs> oh like uh,
3: another another den of um, thieves
0: yeah den of thieves is not on here another
3: six underground
0: oh jesus <laughs> Oh, Fast Five, maybe the most yeah. glaring. There's yeah, a, lot, a lot of five. love for Fast Five. Not a fan. Um, Never seen it. Fast but a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of the writing, too, on heist that you find it was promotional for um, going in style. The Zach Braff uh, pleasure project with Alan Arkin, Morgan Freeman, and Michael Caine from a few years ago.
3: Not on the list. Which resides mostly on his Instagram feed nowadays. It's like all throwbacks to going in style.
2: Why doesn't he just talk about how he's dating Florence Pugh the whole time? Okay, anyway.
3: He really doesn't, which is annoying. That's why. I, well, that's one
2: funny. time Florence Pugh talked about it, and a lot of people said a lot of mean things about it on the internet. And so she had to tell everybody off on Instagram, and she was really firm. I love it. Um, <laughs> so, oh, shoot. That totally blew out what I was. Thinking in my head. Um, Oh yeah. Well, I think that to go along with your fast and furious thing, I think that a certain point in the franchise's life, if it's like an actiony franchise, it does it's heist movie, which is tricky because like Ant-Man, you know, or like, you know, things like that. And like fast five, it's kind of like, if you're, if you're in a certain realm, you'll, of being a franchise, you'll, you'll start dabbling with heisty things and we did not put any of those in there. I
3: mean Mission Impossible 1 is a heist. Yeah.
2: So it's so we did not put sort of heists within otherwise large franchises. Somewhat purposefully, I think.
1: Unless the franchise is heists like Oceans.
2: Yes.
5: Yes. Okay.
1: Shall we category? play Dump the should we Well, should we,
0: should we read the list first? Oh, yeah, let's oh, read Oh, yeah, the list. read the fucking list. Wow. Chronologically.
3: You know, I got it down chronologically if you want me to read it.
2: Well, I mean, we wrote it chronologically too. But yeah, what, Sam, why don't you read it?
3: The list is as follows Reefy Fee from 1955, The Killing from 1956, How to Steal a Million. 1966. The Italian Job, 1969. A Fish Called Wanda, 1988. Heat, 1995. Bottle Rocket, 1996. Out of Sight, 1998. The Thomas Crown Affair, 1999. Three Kings, also 1999. Sexy Beast, 2000. Oceans 11, 2001. The Italian Job, 2003. Oceans 12, 2004, Inside Man, 2006, The Bank Job, 2008, Inception, 2010,
0: and Widows, 2018. Wow. It's a lot of movies.
5: It's
2: a lot of movies. Good for us.
0: Sam, you sound like the resident heist expert. Am I? I think it's grounds to try and stump you. So, building on this conundrum that heists are very. Uh, annoying to define and some of that conflict showed up as we tried to build this list because um some people wouldn't allow certain movies to appear on this list so we are <laughs> going to rapid fire throw out some movie titles and what have if i resident- haven't seen them and have our resident oh you've seen them going can have our resident experts tell us astutely whether they qualify as heist films or not. Are you ready? I'm as ready stump, as I'll ever be. Stump the schmilies here. All right, National Treasure.
3: National Treasure, no.
0: Oh, any, th-
4: <laughs> any reason <laughs> why, not? <laughs> why not?
0: Why um, not?
3: Because... I don't think a treasure movie, like a pirate booty kind of movie, is Jeez. a heist <laughs> movie. You
1: have to be stealing from a more active enemy. The United States from... government. But that's also, but if you're if you're saying the the the,
3: the Declaration of Independence stealing is so not the so far from the climax of the movie that I don't think there's a heist inside National Treasure but it is not a heist movie
2: wow insert Andy complaining about heat being on the list here
3: who said I didn't he he put heat on the list
2: (laughs) well I could have lied and told you hey
0: Sam Vulture thinks that National Treasure should is is a heist movie too I what I what I love so much about National Treasure is that to me
3: (laughs) just that sentence
0: pinnacle Pinnacle Heist is a very, um, pulpy has a very pulpy mark, like a Monet painting or a Vegas casino or a Declaration of Independence. I mean, that is the that is a pulpy
3: object of the heist, but the heist is not the point of the movie all
0: right all right it right. might rapid be the fire. point of the movie rapid for fire you.
3: Uh, well you, you want national, me to tre- keep national treasure
0: two no catch me if you can mm. great cat and mouse it's a great cat and mouse it's actually
3: something yeah I, um no
4: movie
1: wolf of,
0: of Walls- wolf of wall street no parent trap putting together a crew Gosh. No, great Muppet Caper. <laughs>
1: I haven't seen it.
0: How about last night.
3: <laughs> yes, it heisted. It heisted my time. Stole our hearts. <laughs> Insanity.
2: <laughs> it heisted.
4: <laughs>
0: All right. We want. We want to hear from you, viewers, who won. Who's <laughs> playing?
2: <laughs> okay. Statman Carruthers. Andy, you're the Statman. Tell us about I am this.
0: the Statman. Who me? <laughs> yes, you.
2: Oh, he's a Statman. All
0: right. 18 films, 55 to 2018. Not a lot of Oscar love. Nope. Of the 18 films... One, two, three, four of them nominated for Oscars. Two of them actually won Oscars. Famously, I feel like the what everyone knows is Kevin Klein won for Best Supporting Actor in 1988, or I guess 89 for the 88 or... films um, for a fish called Wanda. Uh, the most nominated film, Inception, got eight Oscar nominations. Barf.
2: Which I guess my, is I my mean,
3: face
0: all, is melting. They were all technical nominations. I th- yeah
2: thing it's technically
0: a bad movie and won four. Yeah. Wow. One four.: Four oh oscars God. four oscars what I year like, was that what else wow. was nominated
2: okay 10 second to i feel like a lot of that is like we're sorry that we didn't nominate you enough for the dark knight yeah I a know. lot of it is like carry over dark Knight love the wally right?
0: fister award i think is very wally fister winning for cinematography is very um right. justifiable well,
2: well
5: shot
1: what else was nominated? I'm so it was. It, oh, yeah, that's right. It
0: was nominated notably for Best Picture. So, Best Pictures, King's Speech, 127 Hours, Black Swan, The Fighter, Inception, The Social Network, Toy Story 3, True Grit, and Winter's Bone.
3: Ooh, what a kind tough one. That's a weird new year. I mean, I like Social Network. I know you guys don't.
2: No, I like Social Network. I
0: like Social Network. I'm more of a Steve Jobs man,
3: but. I also actually like really like, I mean, I don't think it's like a best picture movie, but I really like True Grit too. The new I, got, one. I thought
2: you were about to say King's Speech.
3: No, King's Andy Speech.
2: Hate, Andy hates the King's Speech.
3: That's a weird, that's a weird movie year.
2: It is a weird movie year. And it's, this it's was a, the.
3: This did not need to have this no, many. this was many the second. This was Best the, picture nominees. Like
2: was Toy Story 3 really a contender? Like what's the point of putting that on that list? I, I'm just. I'm Movies getting,
0: that made me cry. Joel yes. and Ethan Cohen nominated for best director for True Grit.
4: <laughs> and you just
0: say <laughs> this was the second year of like let's nominate everything for best picture. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, not not, not not a whole lot of uh, Oscar attention, other notable nominations. Ben Kingsley nominated for best supporting actor for sexy beast. Woof. Soderberg.
5: Not
0: so not Soderbergh himself, but out of sight, adapted screenplay and editing. And that's really about it. That's uh, the woof. No AFI recognition outside of Out of Sight being nominated for 100 Years, sight? 100 Thrills.
3: People like Out of Sight. Gangster I know, but above, above other things, I, I like
0: Out of Sight. Okay. Jules Dassin, <laughs> won Best Director at Cannes for Reefy Fee. For other recognition. <laughs> cool. Some, uh, some members of the best thing I ever saw, Extended Universe. Eli Wallach appearing in The Holiday and How to Steal a Million. Julia Roberts is in Pretty Woman, Ocean's Eleven and Ocean's Twelve. And Charlize Theron is in Long Shot and The Italian Job. Is that it? I'm pretty sure, unless I missed one. Yeah, those, those, those are... Makes sense. Okay. The, okay. the Connective Threads. Clooney's in four of the movies we watched. It's wild. Absolutely wild. Yeah, it's of a, a, lot of it's a
2: lot of Clooney. It was very interesting.
3: What's the fourth? Out of
0: sight. Three Kings, you're probably... Three Kings, there probably, we go. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's the one I forget.
0: Finally... Um, a lot of
2: Wahlberg representation, too.
0: Check my oh. math, but I've got the Pussy Posse count at three. <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Haas is in Inception and Widows, and DiCaprio is in Inception.
4: <laughs>
0: fueling, <laughs> fueling again, the theory that Lucas Haas, not DiCaprio, is the true leader of the Pussy Posse, <laughs> as Haas is in fifty percent more of the heist movies than DiCaprio is.
3: <laughs> People who don't know what the Pussy Posse is are just going to be completely flummoxed by this section.
2: God, I hate this part because it's both talking about the Pussy Posse and also giving you guys such an opportunity to pop your peas and it's killing me.
4: <laughs> no, Pussy no. Posse. Is that better? Yeah, that's better.
5: Oh my God. Okay.
0: Yeah, I don't think we had any returning. There's no directorial overlap.
1: Not surprisingly. Yeah, I don't think so lovely there you have it step crawler strikes again
5: <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into the categories um
2: okay we're beginning the first category okay we should do, just let's just do like a quick feelings check-in does anyone have just any like general feelings or agreements or ex- celebrations that you want to
3: no we'll get into know. that that's not okay
2: okay that's not sorry i'm going off list i just Best cat, as in of cat and mouse.
3: So, and we had a discussion about this last week because I needed to, to define what the cat and mouse dynamic was. So the cat is usually
1: usually who is being stolen from. Can be. Or the, the, s- the
3: searcher. Like yeah, the, the law. Yeah, the law, basically. Um, But the law doesn't necessarily
1: mean to be the police and the mouse is the crew or the person stealing. So
3: sometimes I thought of these, there's, it's more of there's an actual cat and mouse dynamic and sometimes it's, there's a cat and there's a mouse and they're kind of more separate. You know what I'm saying? Like out of sight is a cat and mouse dynamic. Very head on.
2: Yeah.
0: Apply directly to the forehead. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay but anyway best cat specifically
3: what are what are some people's thoughts and front let's see what what did i think
2: i feel like this is recency bias and i don't even know what a true cat they are because so i wrote like you know and what i look for in a cat if i were to do like a platonic cat it's someone who's very smart entertaining but not necessarily empathetic Um, There has to be something a little lame about them um, where you where you kind of you know that they're probably right, but you also kind of want them to lose. And I was going through this sort of platonic ideal of a heist cat. And then I thought, well, the best one doesn't fit any of these categories because the best one is Denzel Washington an inside job. So he's a great cat. Inside man. Inside man. So I was I then I sort of threw that away. I was like, well, like that doesn't you know what I mean? Like he's not your traditional cat because there's not the sort of and he's probably the best
3: can. might be the best actor in any movie we saw.
2: Yeah, he just the performance is so good. He's so good. It's so well written. He's so he's treated so tenderly and like with so much love by the director Spike Lee um that you just can't you can't deny it. He's the best. I mean cat. he
3: kind of is he is in a similar like cat who also like him going in and literally having a fist fight with Clive Owen is just wild. Like that would, that's not how this is supposed to work in a similar way. Al Pacino in he's also Heat great cat is nuts. Like he is, my
0: ears are burning. <laughs> that's my pick.
2: That's your pick. That was, oh, that yeah, was oh, my yeah God. he's
3: on my, he said he was in my top, whatever.
0: Uh, He is yeah. absolutely crazy. Oh. I mean, there's, one of the greatest things ever committed to screen <laughs> is all, all okay, I ever okay, want to see okay. when I turn on a movie is Al Pacino in Heat. Oh my God, I can't look away. It's I mean down to I mean everything. He looks gorgeous with that hair. He looks gorgeous. Um, he sounds incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: my biggest issue with Al Pacino and Heat is actually not Al Pacino and Heat. It is the it is the the fact that the Natalie Portman plotline is so intimately tied to him, which I think is one of the just a really weird, a kind of like criminally un. If you're going to put that in the that type of intense situation in a movie, it has to be a little
0: more explored and
3: explained.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I always forget that she's in the
1: movie. And that, but then she that's, shows up and, and she she that's the resolution of it. It's like, yeah. yeah,
5: yeah. I mean, he is
2: very excellent.
1: He's so good,
0: and there's a lot of heart to it too. I like the the dynamic between him and his wife, and how he, you know, sort of d- divulges. <laughs> Sorry. I, I can't not laugh every time I see that picture of Sam. Um, yeah. Just the intimacy to it and the vulnerability of it when you know, he's talking about why he is the way
3: yeah. that he is. I was and, just
2: thinking about that scene too. Yeah.
3: He is the more likable, likable, I guess, is maybe not his main goal, but he is a more likable cat than some of the other ones I put. I mean, in terms of cat and mouse dynamics, the Jennifer Lopez, George Clooney one is pretty amazing.
2: I agree. I just think that there's this tension between like the Tom and Jerry aspect of Cat and Mouse or like the Road Runner and um who's the guy that the Road Wiley
5: runner?
2: Coyote. Wiley Coyote that there has to be something kind of lame about the cat. And it's tricky because like neither my pick and Andy's pick completely goes against that aspect of the cat and mouse. The like the, the, the they're like uh like uh, you know what I mean? You're just, like, kind of not rooting for them as much. They're just not as flashy, not as sexy. Um, and maybe that's just because, like, how are you – you know, like, it's just hard for that to stand up. But what do you think, Sam? What's your pick?
1: I don't know. Um, I mean, my the last one that I, like, highlighted
3: was – Andy Garcia in the Ocean's movies.
2: That's like a perfect, like Tom and Jerry kind of cat and mouse.
3: He really he's just very he good is,
2: at being lame.
3: He is, and kind of, it's such an understated performance, yes. which which matches most of the other
1: performances in the movie. Um, he is maybe the best
3: best cat fit for his movie. Like his is like tailor made to work in that movie. He is kind of pompous and maybe less self aware than the than the mice in that movie, which is key. He like to some extent you really have no idea why Julia Roberts's character likes him.
2: Can we talk about the way he dresses in Oceans Twelve?
3: Oh boy. <laughs> I he's I yeah I I just
2: he... like he's basically wearing a cape if I, I love it correctly. I love it so much
0: cause he it's... looks like one of the twins from anybody <laughs> seen the matrix uh reloaded
2: <laughs> that's a negative on my Those part babe.
0: twins in like the white trench coats
2: yeah yeah anyway yeah, go I, ahead
3: I, I and I think this extent I he has oddly even more of a part in the first one because the night fox really becomes the the cat in the second one as well as a mouse um i just
0: threw up a little bit (laughs) the (laughs) night fox
2: (laughs) let him finish i'll stop no 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 you're right about andy garcia he's really good he's a he's a platonic cat
1: yeah, and I think that's he because he fits more kind of neatly into like the cat
3: and where that where the cat needs to be in a heist movie cuz Denzel and Al Pacino both are the stars basically.
2: They're too cool to be a platonic cat.
3: Yeah, you're rooting for them a little too much. Um not that that says anything bad about the movie, it just doesn't
1: means they don't really fit into best cat
5: yeah i i i am sort of torn if i were to pick a platonic cat i'd totally agree with sam
2: but you i just think- want to
0: be platonic cats <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know what that really means
3: an interesting question <laughs> that we kind of started getting into when we talked last week who is the cat in Widows? Or who are the cats? Daniel Kaluuya. You think it's Daniel Kaluuya? It's oh, yeah. it's not the Mulligans?
2: I think it is the Mulligans. I think that there's a side thing in a cat and mouse that's like the spoiler. Like um in Rafifi it would be the um like the gangsters that end up, you know, like coming out to actually kill them. It's like there's a there's the law, there's the lawbreaker and then there's the other lawbreaker that's the spoiler and i don't that's like a third thing to me
3: but i I think that the 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 gang is really the the whole cat in in Fee because you don't like they're, they're stealing from a pretty the bank is not some sort of
2: yeah there's not really a cat and mouse dynamic there but there's a law like the alarm is the cat the like the because a cat
0: entails some pragmatism. That's why I would say the mulligans are not the cat because they're not not doing anything, but there's no there's not a whole lot of action behind it. You know, I think there are, are multiple
1: sort of cats.
0: Like, multiple cat theory? The multiple cat theory. I think it's the mulligans
3: and the Manning brothers. Are they um, brothers? The Manning brothers, yeah. Oh they are? I didn't know that.
2: Well, is but is then? Um, why am I forgetting his name? Liam Neeson. Liam, but is then Liam Neeson the cat? Because he's like the ultimate sort of like string puller
0: and like fish eater. Milk <laughs> no, wrapper. he'd probably be a mouse then.
2: No, wait, what?
0: Can we just talk about him jogging in that movie? <laughs> the way that he like the way that he runs with this with like the two duffel bags and he's just like an old man rag doll <laughs> i just I, I just thought that it was a very weird twist. how he allowed them to include that that take is <laughs> is is amazing <laughs> there's
3: not some sort of final say on the final cut
0: hey i watched entourage <laughs>
2: Oh god. Okay, so I think let's let's continue with best mouse because I feel like we will be able to keep exploring these issues with that. Do you agree? Sure. Okay. Best mouse. Any thoughts generally on mice?
0: Uh,
1: you know, there's some well,
0: of the. Sorry, go ahead,
3: Sam. It's interesting. I think. Cat and mouse as a as a category combination kind of rewards
1: more singular mice rather than crews.
2: Yes. Which agreed. Although, like Brad Pitt is the mousiest of the oceans. Is this is in the first one at least?
1: Yeah. Um, Which means like. Interesting enough, the Italian job,
3: it has such a the originally Italian job has such a weird like in a, anonymous crew that also almost helps it because you have kind of the Michael <laughs> Caine, Noel Coward combination, which I actually very much like. I love Noel Coward in that movie.
2: The meeting of the crew feels like an Austin Powers bit in that movie. The
3: whole movie is an Austin <laughs> Powers bit. The, I think. Wait, which I one think are Austin we talking? We talking about the the original the
0: bad one or like the slightly badder one <laughs> oh, wait.
2: the original italian job the original
0: one okay. i said the original
2: yeah the, the where they're going there's a scene where they're going around the table telling everyone yeah they're, they're, they're like jim jim two jim oh three. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> like they just like list like four thousand people like, around this table
3: it's like they it was some weird like lost in translation version of what i think of it. it was like they kind of knew what a heist should be in terms of like it should have a crew and they should all be specialized. But there's, but that's literally the only part they heard. So they just thought they could just put a meeting where they just told everyone's names.
2: And can we talk about the the problematic part of like the only person who's working alone in their job is the singular black bus driver? Like everyone else, there's like three of these guys and three of these guys. And then this one guy who probably in the end has the most important part is just... One, per, one and the only person of color. Problematic. Yeah. I love the end of that movie, though. We've been singing that song all week.
3: Oh, such a good song! Yeah, such good music.
2: We should sing that at the end of this. Quincy pod Jones. As our outro. Andy said that.
3: Um,
2: For those of you who don't know, it is the We Are the Self Preservation Society that I'm ninety percent sure Michael Caine is actually singing in it.
3: We I I think, I think I think I just prize. had to mention them because it's also just such a weird because like the whole like patriotic fervor in that movie is so weird like like all of the pictures of the queen in the whole coward cell
2: oh my god obsessed <laughs> that's just a
0: very English thing
3: yeah yeah but, but it was there is bien.
2: like a f the Japanese f the Italians yeah. Or
1: Japanese or Chinese, yeah. Yeah. Dirty knees. Look at (laughs) these. Um.
5: Okay, so best cat or best mouse. I have an opinion.
0: I was just going to say you got your archetypes. There's the dopes, the sort of lovable losers, the mad geniuses. Like Clive Owen, Clooney is like that. I don't know. I don't dig Clooney that much. I know I don't it's think like he has much personality. Gorgeous and compelling yes. as he is, the sort of like half-assed schmucky nature. I don't know. I don't really dig that. I don't really know. I I don't know if I like really any of those type of archetypes. You know, there's the like the Owen Wilson dopey. That's an archetype. Type. That's just Owen Wilson.
5: No, but from like
0: beans Owen, guy,
2: is that too?
0: Yeah, I guess he's not. This those like variations of schmuck, I guess. So there's like Owen Wilson and um
1: and Bottle Rocket and um uh,
0: Sophia Coppola's husband in Three Kings and Casey Affleck in the Oceans. Just doing anything for anyone. Um, Who's Sophia Coppola's husband? Is that I always, I always, Spike I, I always yeah, Spike Jones and Gus Van Sant. I always confuse them. I confuse them when Rachel and I were watching it. Yeah, so yeah, Spike Jones and Three Kings.
3: I see. Oh the, oh, the other guy, the who, the one who was always with the reporter in Three Kings. Yeah,
0: Kevin Klein and. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. I'm,
3: okay, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm seeing. See we get it. We get it.
2: Yeah, like the id of the heist, like all sort of gut instinct, but no real cleverness.
3: And then there's all
1: clever. No gut. Well, there's, that's not necessarily a no gut thing. But like the Pierce Brosnan.
2: That's my number one.
5: That's
3: a
2: good one. That's my number one for best mouse. I just think when you think of like a prototypical mouse, it's what you want. He's very clever. He's very dashing. He has a way of like seeming extremely cerebral, but also compelling at the same time. Which I think is what I think is what you want. Um, he's just very smart and sort of unknowable. Um, yeah, I just I think it has to be him. He's just so good, and you also just he does such a good job of matching the cleverness of the heist to him that you really believe it like comes out of him. I think sometimes in these. It almost feels like the person isn't smart enough. You know, it feels like, oh yeah, the writers wrote that heist, and then this guy is acting, talking about it. This, you actually sort of, I don't know if that makes sense at all. It just feels, it's matched very well. His charisma matches this sort of cleverness of the heist, which I think doesn't, often doesn't happen in Ocean's movies where where it just feels very written. It's like Steven Soderbergh thought of this heist, not Thomas Crown thought of this heist. So, yeah.
4: I don't
1: really get the distinction, but... Um, I really do, yeah. I mean... I also... I mean, he is really
3: pulling the strings the whole time. Not in the same way of, like, Oceans 12 where you have to lit- they literally have to re-show the whole like half the movie because what you were seeing wasn't real. He's pulling the strings and you realize it because Renée so it's like, "Oh, you were expecting me to do this." I hate being I hate being predictable, that kind of stuff. He's got control over the whole situation and the fact that they they kind of do the he the oh, the, the, he put the painting back, the painting was there actually the whole time thing without having to, like, rewind at all yeah. is a much better, um, it's more smart way of doing it, much less kind of... Clunky. Clunky, yeah. Um, And just, and I mean, like, his his the his the final heist in that movie is like he kind of is a very like more literal mouse like him just kind of like disappearing among among oh my he just God, like puts so a good. bunch of mice in the museum basically and i i love that scene so much i love that song
2: it's it is in an otherwise so dated in its production movie it just looks like someone else is directing it. Like all the other music in that movie is also weird. Except, all the other editing in that movie is so weird. But that is like evergreen. It's, it's so, so weird. It's so good.
3: But the, the, there's, the, the, a lot of the music is more, is not is not great. But there is a portion of the music that they just pull the theme from that song, the Nina Simone song at the beginning. There's a lot of that kind of like, rim shot snare drum kind of pitter-patter at the beginning.
1: Um, I, re- I do like the music from that movie basically just because of that song.
5: Oh, that heist just so good. I can't believe I didn't nominate that one for best heist, but I didn't. You didn't? I didn't.
1: Oh. I think, yeah, that's... it's It's odd
3: because it's really not heisty <laughs> uh it's in that, just
2: like a dance it's so gorgeous yeah
3: um okay best cat i mean i i do want it because I, I guess we'll kind of talk about maybe cruise at some point but i do kind of want to talk about like the best
1: cruise as being like collective mice what do you guys th- what did you guys think of the um widow's crew it's a little, from from a narrative
0: standpoint, a little imbalanced, or maybe it's just where my bias takes me. But it's it's very um, Viola Davis, Elizabeth Debicki heavy, yeah. which is a good thing. I mean, they're both great and um, great to watch in that film. But yeah, it just feels not very well rounded. Well, I mean, you can say that for all of these crews. Most of them are pretty. Yeah. Um,
3: but but for it's such balanced, a small but... one they kind of have like the Elizabeth Bicky and Viola Davis have reasons and then Michelle Rodriguez and Cynthia Revo have kids so they have the, they kind of that take they that takes care of them in terms of plot um, which I think they probably could have done more I think Cynthia Revo, like her like physicality is such a great part of it and kind of it being less about her, like, she's not, like, the muscle man. She doesn't train to be the muscle man. She just, like, is because of her life. I think it's just kind of a much...
2: Well, that's an interesting heist prototype. It's, like, the sort of physical specimen that you're kind of like, why are you here? I mean, it's, like, the um, the guy who gets out of the box in Ocean's Eleven, you know, that kind of thing, that there's mm-hmm. just sort of a physical marvel. Um, and that feels like what that's what Cynthia Revo. Is and I, I appreciate that sort of nod to. There just has to be a. Not the muscle, but the yeah, the physical specimen.
1: And the instant you see her running to catch the bus, you know what she's going to oh be God. doing.
5: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, like Elizabeth the Bicky, like kind of is the the most archy, like has the character with the most arc of the whole movie. Um in the end um Uh,
2: yeah i think i mean gina rodriguez has the the store which is a very physicalized version of something that's done more subtly with elizabeth debicki you know gina rodriguez thought she owned something turns out she didn't then she goes back and owns it it's very literal and in Elizabeth Bicky's case, that's like her body. So I think it has to be, you know, that thing that she thought she had, con- that she never really had control over and then she gains control over it. Um, it's like her autonomy and like that speech she gives about like, this is my life. It's mine to be ashamed of. It's mine to whatever. It, it has to be done so much more subtly because it's not as literal and concrete as Gina Rodriguez's. But I also, I think that Gina Rodriguez's is powerful. I mean, I think it's done well. I think yeah. that like property ownership matters and whatever blah blah blah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh but yeah, so I, I
5: that's just my one comment about that.
3: And I'm I'm I understand this might not be that popular of an opinion. But I I really do the Ocean's movies and this includes Ocean's 12, which I truly enjoy. Are when I think about them, especially
1: Oceans 12, it's not at all about the heist. Like, it's just about being around these
3: people who I think are, like, I've been raised by watching them early on to think are really cool. And Oceans 12, I was, like, actually laughing out loud a fair amount during that movie. Um, And I just think that that really, and, and that kind of part of the crew concept is just like people with a history and a very good patter to them. I think the Oceans movies by far and the George Clooney Brad Pitt stuff by far
2: wins that. I just think Widows is offering such an interesting comment on that. Viola Davis basically says like, we're not going to be a crew. We're not going to be friends. We're not going to have patter.
3: Which is fine, but you have to have oceans in order to have someone to say we're not going to be that. Yeah, and I love oceans. Was that that's your answer? Uh, no, my answer is Pierce Brosnan.
5: Ah, what's your answer, Andy?
1: Um, I guess I forgot a little bit about Pierce Brosnan. That that was a very
0: well stated case. I put. Uh, Tony Le Stefano from Refifi. Mm.
2: He's very good. He's a great cat. I, th- I approached
0: this from who are the winners, who are the losers. You know, half of these cats or half of these mice, like they don't get away in the end. So I definitely wanted someone who can pull something off. And I
5: guess you. It's Wait, easy. what? <laughs> <laughs> this is me being Tony totally dying. Who oh, he gets the kid back. Yeah, that's true. Isn't that the
1: greatest him. love of all?
0: <laughs> <I don't> know, <laughs> no, that's, that's, sorry, you let the rough. bad guys murder the kid. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just saying. You just the, the,
3: No fallout is better than a lot of fallout with the kid living.
2: Yeah. No, I, but keep going, Andy. I got this my money on Tony. Point. I'm sorry. This is a very
0: good point. Tony can beat up Pierce President, so.
5: That's probably true.
0: Um, but yeah, so I, was, I whittled it down from, you know, who actually pulled off the, their heist to some extent, and you know, he's got a lot of heart looking back. I know there's a lot of, or some of the criticism or if Fee is criticized, it's because it's a little too sentimental at the end that it's all about saving this kid, but hey, Tony's got a lot of heart. I got my money on him. I'm in his corner. It's actually also um, a
5: very good kid performance.
3: Yeah, it's a kid being
0: a kid. Yeah, I got him for best kid, no doubt. Um.
2: <laughs> Old movies don't always have good kids. That was a good kid performance.
1: Um, yeah. I,
2: I like that pick. He's also, he's, I think having, Um. he's just very compelling to watch. I think that, that you need that in your cat and your mouse. You just kind of want to be able to stare at their face and like, be very fixated on the little changes um especially a mouse you want that and he has a great face he's great I also, to watch i, mean,
3: I and I, I get that you're not you're not calling the whole crew the, the mouse in this situation but i also really just like the crew in that movie
4: yeah um, i love the kind the of the having like
3: the italian and kind of the guy with the The wife that's always traipsing around and i just thought that was a fun crew and again they kind of the muscle
5: Joe, oh i love joe
3: it was a great way to start out the the heist watching was reefy for me because i watched it chronologically
5: yeah it's a great pick andy
1: cool um to best dog yeah,
0: fine. I got the bank job for that.
2: Ay, ay, ay. Just like, wait, you mean like worst move? Wait, wait, what? I
3: yeah. got the fish from a fish called Wanda is the best dog.
2: Oh, God, that makes me so That seems. Not the so dog beautiful. from a fish called Wanda?
1: <laughs> no, the fish from f- Wanda from a fish called Wanda.
2: I
5: hate that part.
1: Yeah, RIP.
2: Rest in, in. I, I, I actually wrote it for this very reason. I, I should never want to cover my eyes in a heist movie. I wrote this down for a future thing, out of either cringiness or like uncomfortability or like, oh my god, I don't want to watch it. I should never feel that way. And watching Kevin Klein torture that fish and that man, I couldn't watch it. It's awful.
4: Anyway.
1: Um. Yeah, I really did not think of that much about. I'm
3: not good at remembering whether there was a best dog. The dog in in, the
5: dog in, widows. in widows
3: is everywhere. She takes him everywhere. Um, and I mean the scene with is also like a great plot point. The scene with uh with Mister Manning, what's the actor's name? Brian Tyree Henry is. The best use of dog possibly In a terrible way
2: I like the scene where she drops the dog off At the doggy hotel it's Yeah very, also very moving very Yeah, I have Widows is best dog I think Widows gets best dog
3: Andy was your best dog?
0: The bank job No I think it's cute that you guys Interpreted that as actual dog I put that on there as a joke Just to say that the bank job is a pile of shit <laughs> Dog of a movie <laughs> why was it on the list was it actually uh, in vultures it's on the vulture it's like yeah, pretty, it's pretty high, high on
2: the vulture list god that movie sucks how yeah.
3: is how did that movie get made in 2006
1: like politically like it's like just social awareness
5: oh, it's wild
1: yeah.
2: the the morality yeah. of it is horrendous the filmmaking of it is horrendous it looks like if an episode of gilmore girls tried to do a 60s period drama like it's like the production value is just which is is one
0: of the things that vulture celebrates is how good it looks relative to the period it's trying to represent oh god it looks yeah with all respect given to the vulture list the blurb on the bank job on the vulture list is pretty head-scratchingly head-scratching. Oh. Yeah,
3: it also was so long.
2: <laughs> it's so long the actual heist is so lame.
3: So bad. I mean, it's it it follows the the classic way to both have a heist be morally okay because you don't care about the people they're stealing from but also hard to track is the safe deposit box. Because the idea is no one wants to tell the police what has been stolen because they don't want to tell them what was in their safe deposit box. That's like the the trope. And also, it's also just a bunch of rich people, so you don't care.
2: And it's also a terrible movie, so you don't care.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Are you, are you guys cat people or mouse people? Mouse.
2: Yeah, for in the, for these purposes. Although, I think Ooh, I have- Cat. I think I actually have more affection of the tops. I have more affection for the cats. Like if you told me Al Pacino or. Uh, I'm cr-
1: I
3: cringed before. a lot in, in Al Pacino in heat.
2: That's the point.
5: Is it?
0: I think it's to swoon.
3: <laughs>
2: and grow
0: your hair out.
2: <laughs> okay. I think we got to take a break.
3: So the next category is best job, mm-hmm. which is as was explained to me more about the heist, Ernie,
0: not the destination.
3: The heist itself, the kind of the formation of the idea for the heist, um, the description of a heist that usually happens. Like, what's the job? The question is the quintessential one
1: so which movie has the best answer to what's the job clean and clear and under control ocean's 11 baby that's your number one
0: yeah i mean really that's that's gotta be the archetype right from the i mean that's most of these going back to the disappointment is I think when these are disappointing, they're disappointing because they're not that sort of methodical drawn out trial and not trial and error, but you know, like go like so much of the movie is putting together and then pulling off the heist. And I will say that watching oceans, rewatching oceans 11, I remember like getting to sit in the heist for a little bit longer, being a little bit more impactful. And I was a little let down with that, but I think ultimately from the ingenuity of it to the drawn out nature of it to what the guy who's not Monk, but kind of looks like Monk doing the stuff <laughs> in the like, uh, like camera room to uh, the uh Casey Affleck and the other guy doing the stuff with the balloons to the Damon stuff. It just, you know, it's very maximalized, which of course is right up my my alley. It's uh
1: yeah.
3: But so, what's the, better than that, right? The one drawback is it I'm not sure how many times into it and how many times of watching Oceans Eleven it took me to kind of actually understand. Oh yeah. The heist. I don't know if I could really even explain it yeah, to you. It's <laughs> which I mean, which I think points to maybe like the specifically the actual stealing of the money is not really the point, but it's more it's more as you said kind of like the fact that every single preparation and the little parts of the heist are the more, are the f- things that are more fun to watch.
5: Yeah, I think, so I wrote two
2: things for this. I wrote, in theory, Ocean's Eleven. But I don't think the Ocean's Eleven one, from a filmmaking standpoint, sticks the ending. Yeah. I think, I, I think that that just the shout of, like, faceless people walking out with duffel bags of money. While – I like the idea of it being during the voiceover of the phone call. I like the idea of that.
5: Um, but,
2: uh yeah, I just – it's – I think that there's just something about it that feels unsatisfying at the end of it. You know, the money comes in. They put them in – they put them in some cars. Obviously, there's the very iconic, like, you know, shot with the – I think it's a very well-resolved movie with the shot with the fountain and stuff. But the last – heist shots I think are just don't quite get it there for me so I still think it's probably the best even despite its flaws just because like it's so archetypal and the level of difficulty is very like from like uh, the writing of it the cleverness of it very high but I think shot for shot the best heist is from Rafifi
3: oh so good yeah
2: Um, I think that it's just like so compelling it's so well paced It is like also very high level of difficulty because it's soundless for so long and there's like a lot of tension and all like the shots of people sweating are very well done. And I think that like, yeah, it's tricky because I think that that's more perfect. Is it more compelling? I don't quite know. So that's sort of why I said like in theory and in practice, in theory, Ocean's 11 is the best one. And in practice, I think Rafifi's is the most perfect.
3: I think... I might agree with you. If you cut out like the actual heist itself, the reefy fee one is the best. I mean, some by somehow they show the methodical and kind of monotonous part of a heist without making the act of watching it at all monotonous. Um, just like the digging, and it's just the like clock. you see every little thing. The the using the umbrella to catch the dirt. I love it's that. It's very. It it's got the cleverness part of it, um, and it all goes right. And I think that that's really an important part of it for me. Like the reason why,
1: even if you call Heat a heist movie, it's a terrible heist movie is because the heist,
3: both heists go very, very wrong.
4: Mm.
3: In that the whole point of being clever is people shouldn't be dying and therefore the morality should be pretty clear that you're not doing something heinous. Um, you had to
0: get it and, on, man.
3: <laughs> and heat does not do that. But Rififi, really, everything goes right through the
0: heist perspective um it, it really takes a, it really takes the best mouse to pull off a heist like that i think oh boy <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah I, I yeah that was my
0: runner-up i was i was i was between those two well rachel stated it well i think that was my exact thought process on it oh thank you
3: i i mean rachel you mentioned it last time and we talked about it last time the Thomas Crown Affair
0: final, like, the as a heist, that scene.
2: Is that your third one, Andy? Oh, is there, uh,
0: the first one is my third one. Mm. I know, it Does sounds mean- like I'm – that's not a riddle. Um,
2: oh, the first one is <laughs> terrible. Oh, I
0: love the first one. See, oh, I like the first one, too. Part of it, too, though, is that that was – oh, that was probably a big pop. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, <laughs> oh, boy.
2: I love it when you call me big pop. Or-
0: <laughs> um – So the year was 2020, and we started watching these heist movies. And that was the first one that we watched, and I was so, without really knowing it, uninitiated. And as it's happening, I was thinking, oh, wow, starting with the heist. I've never seen this before. And the one-two punch of, I think, the... the the pulpy visual nature of oh that was another pop too i'm sorry you guys <laughs> the, the 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 pulpy roots <laughs> of coming out of the just, horse just back away
3: a little bit with
2: yeah you just it's, it's not a it's not a volume it's the closeness
0: some i get too close you tell me to back up i back up <laughs> you tell me to get close pulpy nature. i like the first one <laughs>
3: and and the thing about the actual <laughs> the the construction of the film is that the first one is is the actual heist of the second one in a way like the whole thing is one long heist because the painting is the painting that is stolen in the first heist is then put back and as just the final heist is really just a matter of revealing it as well as you find out stealing another painting that's never actually explained, which kind of annoys me a little bit, but it's also
1: movie magic. Um, I love, I mean, the feeling that you like,
3: just like the way, and I think it's so much as just the song and the piano part in this Nina, Nina Simone song, that it just like, it feels like a heist. like. In your bones, you know that a heist is happening, and I love that for that reason. I don't know if it's my first. I just
2: love also the anonymousness of all the helpers in that. Like the first one, I'm not in love with like the people that actually break into the museum and the amount of time that we spend looking at them and thinking about them. I don't really think it fits with the ethos of the movie. I think the idea of just like this is really about Thomas Crown and these other dudes just are like blank dudes with bowler hats that no one cares about is just so perfect.
0: Every time you we talk about this movie and you mention the song, I cringe and I think you're I think you're referring to the sting cover of Windmills of Your Mind. <laughs> no. 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 It's Nina talking- Simone uh what is it? Something man. Well sure, yeah, but so That so, the cover you the when one thinks of music in Thomas Crown Affair, it's the Windmills of Your Mind. No, by Noel Harrison from the original one, um, that one best original song, which they then covered for the Pierce Brosnan one. So, I'm just that's just how my brain is wired when you say Thomas Crown Affair in that song. I think of the terrible, I I hate that song in general, but the Sting version (laughs) just makes it so much worse.
2: I think, okay, so I just, I feel like we need to say, we've been doing a lot of love to the Thomas Crown heists and the Thomas Crown, like, Thomas Crown. But could we just discuss about, like, how and why that movie goes so
5: off the rails, in my opinion? Like,
2: it's so insane how bad the romantic portions of that are and how weird <laughs> oh, renee Russo I how,
0: how bad renee russo's yeah. wig is i
2: know her wig is so bad uh, it's so bad i mean i've made this joke before the second you look at it you think oh there's gonna be a moment where she dramatically rips that wig off yeah but it does not happen
0: it would it would maybe be the best thing i ever
1: saw if it weren't for that wig
5: if it were for just her. Because
1: the other thing, um, what's his name? Who, who's the police
3: the detective Leary. in it?
5: Dennis Leary so He's good. He's really
3: good in that movie. I know. Well, Frankie Faison um, as the kind of like knowing chief or whatever his role is. Who is, what is his role in that in the, in the police department?
2: Just I
3: instantly want him to be the chief because of The Wire. Um,
2: oh my God. Mm. Yeah
3: but I don't think he – I don't know where he have is. Have you guys oh,
0: seen The just Wire? There.
3: <laughs> just because I mention it doesn't mean you get – it's not like I brought it up multiple yeah, times in this.
2: Yeah, it's not – I don't think that he's exposing himself for the body shot that that was, Andy. Not fair.
1: To answer
4: your question, yes, I have seen generic, The Wire.
0: That was more of a – you know what? I'm not even going to – I don't think I – Need to defend myself. That wasn't even targeted <laughs> at Sam. Back to, back yeah. to the best job. Um,
3: I also, and maybe it's just because I was impressed with it. I didn't. I really did not know what to think about Inside Man. I did. I had no expectations going into it. Mm. But I appreciated its kind of roundabout way, as I spoke before, to becoming a heist movie. Like the, I'm. I really did not. I spent most of the movie thinking I, I kind of like this movie, but it doesn't. It's not really a heist. It's a robbery. It's it's too it's evil. It's too yes. morally
1: bankrupt to be a heist movie. Um, but and and it does the same thing that um, that Thomas Crown does compared
3: to oceans 11 and oceans 12 that we talked about it does all the work it does the it's kind of the mystery part of it works as it's showing you what you will later find out to be the important parts of like these the 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 people they are the captives they are taking to work you think are just captives they are taking to work on the 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 whole and the kind of inside the room in the back of the supply closet where Clive Owen eventually hides, you think they're captives, but they're really, that's the whole crew. And that kind of showing you what you will, showing you what you need to know without telling you, you need to know it is a, a, definitely a, a positive part of the Cole heist.
1: And I just thought it was clever. And that's kind of the point.
5: I agree. It's a little too sprawling for my taste.
1: Yeah, uh I did want to mention it. It's not my top job. Um, I don't know. I'm so
3: Rachel. Yours is which is yours best job?
2: My best job. Well, I had two. In theory, the heist in Ocean's Eleven, but in practice, the heist in Rufifi.
0: Yeah,
3: and 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 Andy.
0: Um, so I've got architect, candy tester, or porno actor. <laughs> <What>?
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then mine, I really.
0: <laughs> I don't know. No, I said uh, Ocean's Eleven. <laughs>
4: okay. I added a subcategory: coolest, coolest
0: looking job, coolest looking job. Um, Sexy Beast. But it, yeah, it doesn't. I mean, the underwater part yeah. of it was great. Yeah, it's it really cool. awesome. But you, it's just, there's it's nothing so clever. There's
2: there. nothing twisty about it. But yeah, yeah it does it look looks very looks really cool. cool.
1: Looks so, look um, so badass. I don't know. I, it's hard. This is a hard category
3: for me. I think it's probably Ocean's Eleven
1: just because I really enjoy, it's what, what kind of
3: annoyed me a lot about like, for instance, the killing, is that the heist was so early in the movie that you really didn't get to take full advantage of the prepar- preparatory stuff, the build up where you see people doing things and you don't realize, you kind of know that they're part of the heist, and the preparation for the heist, but you don't know exactly why they're doing it. Um, and and that kind of annoys me when, pe- when movies do the heist so early. And the oceans, the best parts of the movie are the kind of smaller side scenes that happen in preparation for the heist. And I kind of consider that to be part of the job. So... Mm. And it's just so, it's, it's very clever. Yeah, as, as Rachel, you said, it's, it's kind of well thought out.
1: And yeah, I think it's probably my favorite job, best job.
2: Should we move on to best score?
3: Best score. This is an interesting one.
2: Not movie score, but the thing that they're trying to get. I have a uh, take that I don't think you guys are going to like.
5: I think it's, it's all- I think it's the three kings,
2: like all of Saddam hussein's stuff. I smart. think it's just very smart. It's the best thing about that movie is them thinking of that. It's very smart it It allows for okay, here's what I like about it. and it's not a good movie, by the way. this is overall not a good movie. it's not a well made movie it's It's a bad movie. Okay,
0: cool, I don't think Great. it's that bad. I think it I mean it's nowhere near the top of my list but I've, I've been thinking a lot about it lately. Um, it's pretty good.
3: I thankfully haven't been thinking a lot about it lately.
2: <laughs> the whole the whole thing looks like the inter- – it's shot all like the interrogation scenes from inside Man. Oh, yeah. blown yeah. out, like overexposed faces and stuff like that. But here's what I like about the score. Having it be – so I'm trying to be more descriptive because I feel like sometimes we talk about things and we don't let people know what they are. Um the score is Saddam Hussein's the stuff, basically, he has stolen his treasure that he has stolen from essentially Kuwait, Kuwaiti dignitaries in the Kuwaiti, Kuwaiti Bouyan um, and also just his stuff, like his fancy stuff that is hidden in various places around these um, Iraqi villages where he still has sort of outposts of his military despite there being a ceasefire. Cool. And here's why it's good. Is it because it sort of allows for the sort of like capitalism stuff porn that is fun about a good job, like a good score? Like look at all those Louis Vuitton bags and like look at all those cars. It also allows for like the desecration of the stuff which I think is also fun like there should be so at some point you need to be treating the score poorly like you know you need to be like doing something to it that like doesn't show quite the reverence so it allows for that but then there's also like the moral component of like it's Saddam Hussein's stolen stuff so you don't feel bad about it at all like you kind of feel bad about stealing like precious works of art from a museum like I do think that that's you should feel bad about that. But when you're stealing (laughs) Saddam Hussein's stolen stuff, and then it opens up and allows for, like, the real score at the end. This is where it gets a little moralistic. The real score at the end is actually not the stuff, but it's the the freedom of the refugees, Um, not, like, the bouillon and the Louis Vuitton bags and the the things. I just think that the actual – it's just very clever – it, it, it works sort of as a, as a rich text, which I think is important for a score because um, there's just a lot of ways to, to mold it. And yeah, that's why, that's why I say that Saddam Hussein's, I, I, wrote, I wrote all of Saddam Hussein's shit in Three Kings. That's
5: what I wrote.
1: Sure. I like that. Um, what did I
3: highlighted? I liked the the, the killing mostly just because I liked the money blowing everywhere part of it. The journey, That's- the journey that the score goes on.
2: The desecration <laughs> of the score. There has to the be desec- a moment desecration of the score.
3: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm speaking about the the scene when they're about to get on the plane and the the baggage transportation. Kits oh a bump God. or something like that. Yeah. And, and so the suitcase falls open and Ugh. money just starts flying everywhere. He, obviously, I mean, it's, it's meant to be being picked up by the, the jet fan, basically. The jet engine. But that was a... So the next one, uh, how to steal a million. Is Audrey Hepburn the score?
0: Okay, come on. I have Audrey Hepburn and Peter O'Toole finding true love.
3: Yeah, that's... that's, that's if Audrey Hepburn is the score, then she's so good in that movie.
0: Um, I also have Robert Fisher discovering that his father wanted him to be his own man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's Leo's freedom. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, God. We're, I think we just need to have a burning question called why did we ever like Inception? We should just put That's that. a great question.
3: I mean, Diamonds you is a good minutes. I think out of sight, actually has a great score because the Albert Brooks character is introduced so early on yeah, as the, that is kind very of the clever. rube. um and and
2: and he's cheap with the job and stuff like that with Clooney. Exactly,
3: exactly. I think that the kind of the mark in that case being part of the score is is molded in that movie very well and I and also just the score being in the uh the diamonds in that case being in the bottom of the fish tank i think is a great kind of like twist and and also shout out to finding nemo albert brooks his part in finding nemo i think it's a great connection um so i, I don't know in terms of just what my top were. i like that i mean stealing art a Monet. It doesn't get much better than that in Thomas Crown Affair. Um,
2: I, okay. There's two things that are, I take issue with. One, it, the painting looks really bad.
0: It looks terrible. Does movie, it? I, looks bad. Looked, I, had, I looked it up. It doesn't – why does it look that bad? It just doesn't look like a Monet. <sighs> but that's what it looks like. Have you looked it up?
3: Well, well I, I don't care. I mean, looking it up is one thing. It's, it's what it looks like in the movie. As I'm watching the movie, that's what matters.
2: Okay, so Andy, you're probably right. I haven't looked... at the I, painting. And then the other reason... Yeah, the painting looks, I think, poor. And also, little nitpick, there, it's supposedly the Impressionist art wing and it's filled with non-Impressionist art. There are Davids there. It's oh, a problem. I didn't problem. see that
3: part. I thought, <laughs> the, wing, I thought the wing wing... Was kind of past the David part of it.
2: No, they said that they're in the impressionist wing, and there's plenty of non-impressionist art there.
3: Oh. Mm-hmm. I issue. mean, the whole like an art museum having sprinklers thing <laughs> is pretty <laughs> wild.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sam, I don't think you probably need to disclose the uh, the uh, top and secret. And just the story walls together. that
3: close, and that's just <laughs> absolutely like the idea that like those walls that they're closing are in no way like that's not a waterproof seal that is being made when you close two metal doors and having you can't just introduce a bunch of water into a museum context and completely change the humidity in every single room it would just be <laughs> like a conservationist
1: worst nightmare
5: okay sorry We had to nitpick that. We were talking
2: about best scores.
0: I took the idealist route, like Rachel, and said Denzel and slash Clive Owen reclaiming the Holocaust Victims Ring from Inside Man.
1: It ain't bad. score. Slash getting all of uh,
0: Christopher Plummer's Nazi paraphernalia.
2: Yeah, that's, I guess, like, the issue that I have... I, I, I love the idea of that, but I feel like they, again, don't quite stick the landing there. Because, like, okay, so they've reclaimed this ring. Who is it going to, and, like, pragmatically, like, who is it going to enrich? You know the what rabbi. I
0: mean? The rabbi. Yeah, the rabbi. I,
2: yeah, I guess. But the, uh, to me, I just, wish, I just wish it was more obviously about exposing Christopher Plummer in this thing. Like, that would be, to me, a more effective score than the rabbi's ring.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's not my top. I, I liked it. I love the idea. I think,
2: of it. My, I think my top might be out of
3: sight. I mean, I love a classic diamonds. Uh, the kind of, and I think the Albrook Brooks character's development, as well as the kind of scene where he, where he denies George Clooney, like really sets him up, dies, denies George Clooney a job, does not hire him um, as like, or he just says like, you can, you can be a security guard and kind of like the class conflict that is brought up in there really puts Albert Brooks as the bad guy and sets him up as the one that you want to be stolen from um maybe not in the way that he ends up being stolen from but anyway I think out of sight and and the fish tank diamonds I just like that
1: idea I think it was clever and cleverness is the goal I
5: like it
1: lovely
2: okay Moving on. Two. I mean, best what the fuck moment.
1: Or it's it's most what the
3: fuck moment.
2: I know what mine is.
3: All of Inception.
2: No. No. Mine is the laser dance in Ocean's capoeira, Twelve.
0: Capoeira, capoeira laser scene. Love that shit. Fucking capoeira <laughs> laser scene. Love it.
2: When you say that, it sounds like Catalina wine mixer. Right? <laughs>
3: Um, it's got also such a perfect soundtrack for it as well
2: (laughs) it looks awful it makes no sense he's definitely touching lasers the entire time
0: there are shots of the lasers (laughs) touching things like what are the lasers for if they can already touch physical matter and maybe they
1: heat to maybe they detect anything. heat.
2: Then, okay, but also he physically touches the lasers constantly.
3: Oh sure, no, it's a terrible scene.
2: Uh, <sighs> it's so drawn out. It's so poorly done. It looks ridiculous. The soundtrack is ridiculous. I
3: love the soundtrack. I, lo- I mean, I love David Holmes. I think. And
2: there's no stakes to it because within two seconds, you're like, well, he just touched one. So, like, what's the point of me even watching this? Because the movie will just tell me that he, like, he might as well just ran through them, like, waving his arms and, like, occasionally doing a little sidestep because, like, the reality of it is so pointless to watch. There is no other WTF moment other than that. That, that is the most
5: coked-out thing I've ever seen. What do you
1: guys- oh. You- The sex scene between Jamie Lee
3: Curtis and Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda is pretty what the fuck.
2: (laughs) A lot of A Fish Called Wanda is. A lot
3: of A Fish Called Wanda is what the fuck. Um,
2: Kevin Klein in that movie is so grating.
3: I mean, I talked about it before, but the Natalie Portman plotline in Heat is kind of what the fuck, and that kind of twist in the plot Um.
2: Could you describe what that is for? Our-
3: oh, sorry, I thought, may I forget how, maybe I didn't remember how far into the, I think I was talking about it and got cut off originally. Um, so yeah, she, you kind of, throughout the movie, you get the sense like her her real biological father keeps standing her up and doesn't actually ever show up to pick her up when he's supposed to. Um, and is just not very there. And, and you really, that seems to be the only part. She's only, really mad
2: about her barrettes. I mean, like, she clearly is emotionally on an edge.
3: Yeah, but you, there's, yeah, there's really just not much in terms of why she is that way. And then she's really not in the movie for a good 45 minutes and then shows up in Al Pacino's hotel bathroom bathtub with her
1: wrist slit and that becomes the movie for 10 minutes. Um, and I just think it's like
3: not at all earned in a way that a scene like that should be earned. Um,
1: and it really turned me off to the movie for that reason.
5: That's it was fair. a what
1: the
0: fuck an angry way.
2: Yeah. Andy, what's your nomination?
0: Oh, capoeira laser scene. <laughs>
2: yeah. A good, good
0: silver medal is just the Russo wig, I think.
2: Yeah, the Russo wig is huge.
5: Yeah. Oh my God. Also, all of the bank job.
1: All of the bank job. Yeah. Don Cheadle's accent.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. that is In a ocean's movies. weird accent.
3: Okay, so can, can oh, I... Okay,
2: can I also do another um, nominee for Oceans 12? Yeah, that that moment when you're an hour and a half into it and you realize the heist hasn't even started yet—that oh. you haven't even talked about it yet—that's yeah. that was one of my bigger "what the fuck" is like what is we're not even there yet. That was one of mine.
3: So can I can I <laughs> can I voice my my oceans eleven and twelve theory? Yeah. So, especially in the first couple of movies the heist movies that were early on there really is a sense of you have the build-up the heist and the fallout is a much more common trend and which made me think more about oceans 11 and 12 as kind of one classic heist movie
1: whereas oceans 11 is the build-up and the heist and oceans 12 is the fallout um and I just found that kind of an interesting because Ocean's,
3: Ocean's Twelve is a weird. It's a is a weird. Is not really fun. a heist movie. Say
1: it. I love there. Ocean's Twelve.
3: Uh. I, I mean, I've said this before in this on this podcast. I think it was it's it's funnier. I think it's. I enjoy it as a movie, but not as a heist movie.
2: The moment when there's the big shock that Catherine Zeta-Jones's dad is what's his name, and we're all like yetter.
3: Yeah, that's. I I think the, I also I find the Julia so Roberts weird. stuff is so funny. Yeah, yeah, I think that, like, especially the scene where Bruce Willis comes in and her reaction and the filming of that, it looks so real. Like that's
1: that like. The character Julie Roberts is playing really has does not know Briz Willis and is super surprised.
5: It looks so sloppy, and it's written so sloppily. It looks like it's like an improv scene.
2: Thank God Sam cut out because he can't hear me talk about how much I hate I hate that (laughs) part. Oh
0: (laughs) God damn it! We were just praising the fact, Sam, that uh, the master thief is called Lamarck. <laughs> does have no
3: sense of humor.
2: No, it's also like, okay, so the, you were praising the Julia Roberts scene. That scene is made so, like, I know it's on purpose that it doesn't look crisp, that there's people coming in and out, everyone's interrupting each other, the camera doesn't seem to have any real purpose. But it looks like it's an improv. It looks like it's a sketch. It looks like you're like watching IO or some nonsense. Oh, like, oh here's that. a crazy premise. Now just like kind of like, ooh, it's gonna be a little wild. Like it's just so. Ugh.
4: I love. I don't want
0: to. I don't want to jump the gun and get to pitch me, but um, I've got this idea for a master thief whose name is Le bag of money. <laughs>
5: sound
1: interested.
5: (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. You love that movie, Sam. That's fair. That movie gives you joy, and that's great.
1: I just, I think it's, like, a great, and you're going to make fun of me
3: because this is directly from the rewatchables for Ocean's 12. It is like,
0: there is one for it.
3: Very <laughs> meta in kind of how it thinks about um, celebrities. And it's kind of just a fun celebrity movie for that reason. And the whole like Matt Damon wanting a bigger role in this one, but I think it makes it a very fun movie to watch for me.
2: I'm going to give a compliment to that movie. I really like that they structure the beginning, the re meeting of everybody as. Um, andy garcia threatening everybody yeah that's very effective i like that andy does andy's making a face um i like that idea it takes a little too long but i like that (laughs) um i'm gonna give a not a compliment to that movie it is shocking how little personality some of those characters have particularly danny ocean and Rusty's personality really holds up the first one. And it's really sad that like they couldn't think of a way to incorporate a love interest for him that doesn't totally neuter his personality.
5: That's a constructive criticism.
1: Why does it neuter his personality?
2: He just like, I shouldn't, maybe it's not causal but he is a lot less electric and fun in this one. You know, he's saddled with this failing hotel. He really needs the money, all this stuff. He's much more serious.
5: Um, and, you know,
2: and it just, it, it's probably just coincidence that it coincides with him having a love interest, but it just doesn't feel like he's the same, the same Rusty we grew to love.
1: Really?
3: Cause one of the, And this is not really like an explanation or like a good kind of what is the relationship between Rusty and Catherine Zeta-Jones. But like the scene where she comes into the hotel room and sees Rusty and George Clooney and um, a couple of other people in amsterdam and kind of like recognizes them he closes the door he shoes everyone around and then she comes in asking questions and he's got this great kind of like blank face like smile he's not going to answer any of her questions and that is kind of a he is being the rusty of him of rusty and george Clooney, where he doesn't talk at all but in a very different way you know, like, there's all those scenes where George
1: is just kind of talking at him and hearing what he w- wants to hear. Um, and I, I think that, that the kind of that part draws out.
3: I don't, I, I don't find their relationship to be the compelling part of the
1: movie for me at all. Um,
2: Andy, yeah. what are your thoughts on Oceans 12?
1: We don't have to talk more about Oceans 12.
5: Okay, we can stop
2: talking to. about Oceans 12. I'm
4: uh-huh. just, just trying Andy, to figure out Andy. where
0: Rusty gets the Little League nachos before going into the poker game in the first one. <laughs> I'm so glad you've been delving into that. Um, How dare you?
2: <laughs> no, it's a great. I mean, it, it makes you really want Little League nachos. But I no will it take my Zoom and
0: go home, Sam. <laughs> okay and
3: that is the end of the first half of our heists episode I'd like to thank Dylan Stratton for our theme music and Leah Saradarian for our logo Uh, the next episode should be out right now so just keep listening thanks